This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 832. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 832. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. If you're listening on a Monday, it's so lovely to be here with you. If you're listening in live time, we're in it. We're in the thick of holidays. We're also maybe, you know, feeling the stress, the chaos, maybe loving it, maybe not. We're also really quickly nearing the end of 2023. So whether you're listening to this in this wild holiday season in live time on the day that this episode comes out, or if you're listening to it a few weeks or maybe even a few months later, all good. This will help you any time of the year because we can release things anytime. We don't have to wait until we are rounding the corner of another year and decide that we need to put one thing to rest and pick something else up. Instead, we can on any given day decide that today's the day that we're going to start something new or leave something old or anything else in between. So I'm excited to dig into this topic today. I've talked about this before. I don't at least one other year, but maybe a couple other years, I've talked about things to release as you enter a new year. And I wanted to be a little more unconventional today. 
In the past, I've talked about things like releasing guilt or releasing perfectionism or releasing comparison, and all those things are great and important for sure. So I'm not trying to minimize those, but I want to talk about things that maybe you haven't given thought to that might be either present or lacking in your life that could really benefit you if you were to take a little bit of a different perspective in these areas over the course of the next year. So I'm hoping this will bring up some things that you maybe haven't thought about before and that will help you see things and think through things in a different way as you prepare to start a new year or if you're already into 2024, if you're, you know, just looking to shake things up, release some things and maybe get a fresh start, you know, on any given day. So as we talk this through, I want you to give yourself permission to Look at where you're really at and acknowledge where you might see yourself in some of the things that I have to say that might feel like, oh, shoot, she's calling me out because I promise you I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you in. And I will also say that I am someone who struggles with all of these things. So, so we're in it together as always, but I would never, ever like just sit here and wave my finger at you and be like, you should need to stop doing this. So I think you'll enjoy listening to these four unconventional things that we're going to talk about today, four unconventional things for moms to release in 2024 or, you know, on whatever day today is for you. So the first thing I'm going to invite you to release is high expectations. And I think this is kind of a funny one because it seems a little weird to be like, don't aim so high. Just stop trying to aim high. Like just work on being a little more average. And that's why this is unconventional, right? So I know my audience, I know those of you who tend to listen to me tend to be high achieving, driven, perfectionistic, like go-getter kinds of people. I love you for that truly, because also, again, I'm right here with you, definitely one of those people. And one of the things I've had to learn over the last few years, and I think we got to practice this in all sorts of ways, you know, ever since the pandemic in 2020, but what I've learned in releasing high expectations sometimes doing this kicking and screaming because I was really mad I had to let go of an expectation and then sometimes giving myself permission to just like relax, chill out and not try so hard all the time is that when we can release ourselves from expecting so much from ourselves all of the time, we can start to reconsider what is correlated with our value and our worth in the world. And what I mean by that is that sometimes if you are an overdoer, an overprover, an overproducer, someone who always sets the bar really high and then always exceeds the bar, that sometimes we have a hard time seeing that always aiming really high and then achieving even higher than we've aimed while it can look really great to the outside world, can have a point of diminishing returns. And what we see when we start hitting this point of diminishing returns is we see total burnout, we see exhaustion, we see a lack of patience, we see a lack of joy in anything. So if I'm completely burnt out from one area of my life because I've overdone it, I've over been like overly ambitious and hustle, hustle, hustle till I had nothing left to give, that's going to impact all the other areas of my life. And what I found in the last few years is letting go of some of those high expectations has actually given me a space to not only breathe a little bit, but also find that my worth doesn't come from always doing more or always like hitting these certain metrics of success that I somehow define to be like the right metrics at some point. And that's actually been an extremely, extremely freeing thing for me in the last couple of years, especially, and even in like the last year and a half, more specifically. 
And this has happened because I've had to let things go. I've had things that have not gone the way that I've wanted. I've had things that I've tried that have flopped. I've had things that just that used to work that don't work anymore. And this is like in personal life, professional life, relationships, parenting, like all these things, all these aspects of our lives that are always like constantly changing. As soon as we have we think we have them figured out, then like, nope, you don't have it figured out. Like something new is changing. And it's really been helpful for me to step back and realize like, oh, your value in the world isn't connected to like how many downloads this podcast gets today or how much money hits your bank account by the last day of the year or how many clients you have or whether or not you get that speaking gig or 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 right like none of that actually matters it's been so interesting watching this in the last few months especially in two different instances so first instance has just been in my family so my husband was laid off in june i've talked about it on the show a few different times and I have shifted my expectations around so many things in life since then, some of them out of necessity and some of them because like, I just can only care about so many things at once. And it really brought into light having to figure some big, serious things out for our family that I was making way too many things way too important. There was a lot of stuff in my life that I was putting in this like very important category that really didn't matter at all. And so that's been really illuminating for sure. And it's really helped me call into question and then like kind of rejigger what really is important. I think I talked about maybe a month or so ago around some of the ways I've shifted just spending like at the grocery store, basic, basic spending. And that I had, and it's even weird to say high expectations around like grocery shopping, but that I had like certain standards that were really important and organic this and all these things that have always been really, really important to me. And then I was like, oh, but wait, like I can save $5 if I get the non-organic thing? Mm, maybe we don't always need organic everything. And then I started to call into question even like from an equity standpoint, like, do I think I'm better than people because I require everything to be organic all the time? I just, it like made all these things come to the surface for me. And I realized that some of my exceedingly high expectations were like me participating in a society and culture that I don't know that I really buy into anymore. Now, this isn't saying that like your organic food is bad. And this isn't to say that I don't buy anything organic and won't buy organic food again. But it was just this very enlightening moment where I started realizing some of these kind of silly expectations I put on myself and how I also equated them to how other people saw me or the value, you know, my value as a mom or a caregiver or a family member or a caretaker, like all these different things that were just kind of at the end of the day, like, does anybody care if I'm buying the organic milk? No, they don't. And I really very literally three years ago, 10 years ago, even more so would have been standing at the grocery store. And if I ran into someone who saw me buying non-organic milk, I would have felt uncomfortable. Like, oh my gosh, maybe they're judging me. And I know a whole bunch of you are thinking that sounds so weird. And then I know there's a whole bunch of you that are like, oh my gosh, I get it. So these high expectations that sometimes we have for ourselves, for our families, for the way that we do things, sometimes we just need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Like we need to let go of some things and have a little more ease. Like when I started realizing, oh, like I can save like $50 on a grocery bill pretty easily. I felt pretty good about that. And I actually was like, hmm, I think I'm winning in, in new ways now. And this is maybe even kind of fun. So that was the first thing, like kind of getting over some high expectations. And that might seem like a frivolous example, but it's just like one area that's, again, kind of weird, kind of unconventional, where I found myself like giving myself permission to do things a little differently. And it was actually a bit of an exhale. 
This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where, as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever, and your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you, and you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by a podcast I wanna share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. So another example that has been super interesting is, you know, any system that business owners use is susceptible to changing in any given moment without the business owner's permission. And so social media is a great example. Like there's many social media platforms that people rely on in very specific ways to generate revenue in very specific ways. And I've had this happen many times where you're like, oh my gosh, you know, Facebook groups are where it's at or Instagram stories or Instagram reels or this thing or that thing, like whatever, that's working really, really well. For a long time, it was Facebook ads, like Facebook ads made, you know, you pay $3 in and you get $15 back. Like this is a great game, right? And then all of a sudden it wasn't a great game because the algorithm changes and all of a sudden you're like, hold on, now I'm paying like $15 in and only getting three back. It's totally reversed and I'm getting completely screwed and I don't like this game anymore. And so this happens all the time when you own a business. And how this has happened to me recently in the last few months is that Apple Podcasts, where almost all of you listen to the show, totally changed their algorithm for how episode downloads count. So this is like total behind the scenes, like gossip for you all. So they totally started changing how downloads are counted. 
And some of it was rejiggering part of a system that was a little bit inaccurate or a little wonky and not maybe totally counting things appropriately for a long time. But then part of it was just like some making some corrections on things and updating and upgrading things and just getting more fine tuned around like what counts as a download and all these different things related to technology that I really don't want to know that much about. But what I did notice and what I do need to know a lot about is that all of a sudden my downloads came tumbling down. So the people most impacted by this big algorithm change back in September were people who have most of their listeners on Apple Podcasts, which is me, and people who have large back catalogs, which is me. So your back catalog is like having a lot of shows in the in the past. So people who have newer shows and they're like, oh, I have like 35 episodes, like this isn't going to hurt them. But we're someone like me that has 831 episodes besides this one that you're listening to today, that's a massive back catalog. Over 50 or about 50% of our downloads every month come from people who are listening to older episodes that were produced and recorded and released more than, you know, four to six weeks ago. And oftentimes years and years ago at this point. And so people like me, big back catalogs, lots of listeners on Apple Podcasts, we got really, really hit with this new, with the most recent Apple iPhone update because it totally recalibrated how downloads are counted. And so all of a sudden, literally overnight, like my downloads just crashed. And I was like, well, what happened? Because the reason it matters is because advertisers, the way that they pay you is totally dependent on your download numbers. And so all of a sudden I was like, whoa, holy cow. Like I have revenue is predicted based on a certain model that works a certain way. And that model just completely flipped upside down on me. And this is not the first time it's happened. It's happened before where like overnight, the model for advertising just completely changes. And the income that you were counting on that had been very consistent for months, if not years, all of a sudden, just not consistent at all, maybe just non-existent. And so when you have an expectation that like a certain amount of money is going to hit your bank account every month because of a certain amount of downloads that hit your your download account every month, and that just flips on a dime, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Am I, is my show really that good? Or does it even matter if I'm doing this? Or like it calls into question all these things. And so these high expectations that you have for a certain amount of money coming in or for a certain amount of downloads and for your show to look a certain way. So whatever your work is, like whenever someone calls into question, like, hey, instead of judging you based on this, we're not going to judge you based on that. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like people thought I was really successful when the model looked like this. And now the model looks like this. And does that mean I'm not successful anymore? And so when we have these high expectations for ourselves, or we need things to be a very specific way for us to be successful in a way that we deem to measure success, then we can get really, really messed up um, in terms of how we mentally manage things that we have no control over. So having high expectations for myself in terms of the success of the show in terms of metrics has been a struggle for me when things like this happen. And what I had to realize, because in the past, I've gotten real worked up about this kind of stuff, is I had to just be like, you know, I can't control it. I don't know what this is going to look like going into 2024. What I know is I feel really good about what we're doing with the show right now. I feel really good about the direction that we're kind of what we're in right now, the direction that we're heading. I feel really good about everything we've done in the past. Like that's success to me. Whether or not this show can be funded by advertising, that's not going to measure success for me. And so I might have to make some decisions around that in terms of like making, you know, keeping the show financially viable. But it's like means nothing to me in terms of me being successful as a podcaster. And if I have to make changes to the show, which I'm not planning on at this point, but I have to make changes that like also not an indication of like my quality worth success as a podcaster. So when we can release ourselves from high expectations, 
and be like, it's cool if you're just average. It's cool if you miss the mark. It doesn't matter that much. The things that we put so much weight into don't matter that much. Then all of a sudden we have room for other things. We have room to get take a hit and be like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to go to lunch now. <laughs> you get the email and you're like, oh, wait, I just failed at something. Okay, well, whatever. I'm just going to go eat my lunch. I'm just going to go pick my kid up at school or whatever the thing might be. I have a couple of friends who are in grad school right now, and I'm also heading into grad school myself in a couple of months. And one of the things I've been talking with people about is people who have historically been straight A students who really pride themselves as being a straight A student, going back to grad school and being very okay being a B student. And so this is something I'm really actively trying to prepare myself for, that I am not putting a lot of high expectations on myself. I want to put very medium expectations on myself. I want to aim to have a B in all my classes because I don't want to go into grad school and be totally stressed out for the next two years so that it impacts the work that I'm doing. So I'm still going to be working. I'm still going to be parenting. I'm still going to be a partner. I'm still going to be taking care of this dog who, <laughs> Hyper Piper, who needs a lot of caregiving and a lot of patience on any given day. I'm still going to be like a person who goes skiing in the winter and does summer things in the summer. So I'm going to release myself of this super high expectation around grad school and recognize that like I'm aiming for a degree. I'm not aiming for a 4.0 or whatever the point system is now because I, I don't even know if it's a still a four point system since I haven't been in school in like 30 years. So changing expectations like that can really shift your perspective and also allow you to have more mental ease in everything in your life when you don't let expectation high expectations in one area rule everything. So this, that was number one. All of that was number one, releasing yourself from high expectations. So number two, like dovetails right into this. Number two is releasing yourself from rigid planning. When you first have a baby, and then if you have another one in close succession, you have to be a rigid planner. Now, I know there's people, I am not one of them. I know most of you are not <laughs> one of them. I know there's people who can wing it. Like I know there's people, and I have friends who do the, did this, do this, who can have a baby and just be like, we're just going to go with the flow. Like my beloved neighbors who I adore so much, they have a five-year-old and a nine-month-old, eight, nine-month-old. When they had a four and a half-year-old and like a three-month-old, they decided to go camping for like five days. And my husband and I were like, who are they? Like we would have no sooner taken Vinny camping as a three-month-old, let alone if we had had like a second child that was like four and a half, like never ever in one million years because I was so rigid. I would have been like, oh my God, like when am I going to pump? And when is he going to get up? And when are we going to, and he's going to cry and everyone's going to wake up and like in no world. So these same neighbors who I love and adore and also like can't figure out where they get their ideas from, they're going to take their family over the holiday or sometime in the next couple months, not over the holidays, but um, to Singapore from Seattle to Singapore. And <laughs> I'm so blown away because again, I don't think I would take my 11-year-old on what it's like 16 hours of travel or something. Like I'm not sure I would do that with my 11-year-old, but they're like, well, we're going to do it with an almost one-year-old and a five-year-old. <laughs> sure. And so I was a super rigid planner. And I think there's a lot of things around early parenthood that require rigid planning because it's just like the only way. I mean, like you, when you get out of the hospital with a baby and they're like, we need you to track the poops and the peas and the nursing and the feeding and the ounces and all of the things. And so I think there's some rigidity that just like naturally kicks in. And some of us let go of it after a while and some of us don't. <laughs> 
Like if you're someone like me who at a very certain time at night, you're like, it is bedtime. And if it is becomes one minute past bedtime, like my parenting button turns off. I do not parent for one minute after 8.30 p.m. Now, I know others of you are like, oh, I don't know, like bedtimes, it's between like 7.45 and like 9.15. I'm like, no, hell no. <laughs> like If this child is talking to me at 8.31, I do not reply. Now, not really, but this is like the kind of rigid planning person that I tend to be. And I also know that when I'm really, really rigid, I'm setting myself up to be really, really frustrated in a lot of cases. So recognizing that change is constant, which is my least favorite thing to say out loud, recognizing that change is constant and that the world will continue to force me to be very adaptable and very flexible, then helps me see that my rigidity doesn't win. My rigidity just causes more stress, more anxiety, more panic, and it actually reduces my ability to be resilient when things don't go the way that I thought they would or the way I wanted them to. I was talking with a friend a number of months ago. We were talking about family travel, and she has kids older than mine, but she was talking about family vacations over time with their family. She has two girls and she talked about going on vacations with her husband, who's a huge planner, and he wants to plan all these like magical moments. So if they're on a road trip, he wants to time like the way that they like, they arrive in the town with the mountains where they're like cresting this hill right as the sun is coming down over the mountains. And he has it like all planned out. Like he's looked up ahead of time, like, okay, sunset is at six or 732. And we're going to like come up the mountain at 721. And then just as we crest the top, like we're going to see the sun going like he's just super, super specific. And then if like, you know, a kid has to pee at 615 on the road trip, and then they get caught up for 20 minutes in that, then all of a sudden, like they've missed the sunset. And the dad's really frustrated because he was trying to plan it and time it to be so perfect. And then the mom is frustrated because the dad is being cranky, and it's supposed to be their fun family road trip. And she was talking about how like no one wins when anyone is like that. And she, you know, very openly was like, yeah, and I can be this way in other aspects too. So I can absolutely be that way in many aspects of life and in business. And the pandemic taught me and also just entrepreneurship has taught me over and over again, that being inflexible is just such a setup for frustration. And for, for me specifically, it's such a setup for huge anxiety. And so I've really gotten so much better at loose planning. Sometimes it's too loose. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I don't know, I'll talk about this thing. We'll see how it goes. But I will say, as I've gotten looser about things and succeeded in being looser about things, then I've built confidence around the fact that I don't have to have everything so rigidly and perfectly planned where I have these high expectations, going back to number one, that things have to be this certain way or it means they're a total failure. So when I have less rigid planning, I actually have a much broader spectrum in terms of like what I can manage for outcomes in a pretty clean and easy way. So things can go like, instead of me needing everything to go 100% great, I can be like, I don't know, I could be happy with like 63%. Like 63% is fine. I'll be good. Now, if we're talking like, you know, 48%, I might start getting frustrated or, you know, 32%, I'm going to really disappointed. But, you know, 65%, I'll take it versus needing to be like 95 to 100% all my expectations being met all the time. So that's the second thing is letting go, releasing rigid planning to allow for flexibility, to allow for things to go sideways. I always used to talk when I had my gym that like the day you decide to commit to a, some sort of like 
exercise and a nutrition program and like really recommit, that's the day that like your kid's going to get sick and your partner's going to have to go out of town unexpectedly and the grocery order isn't going to come through. And all of a sudden you're going to be like, well, I guess I'm not working out. And also we're having macaroni and cheese for dinner. And like, that's just how life is. This always happened when I had new gym members sign up. They'd be like, we can't wait to start on Monday. And then I'd get messages from them on Monday like, oh my gosh, I have the flu. (laughs) And they'd be so like crestfallen. I'd have to say, it's totally fine. Like if you can't make it till Wednesday or Thursday, it's still going to be a great day. Like any day that you make it in is a great day one. So we're good. And so like having that flexibility and, and being okay with that kind of flexibility just makes a huge, huge difference. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Number three, lack of personal time or lack of time for hobbies and personal pursuits. So the last or the third thing to release is lack of time to dedicate to the things you really want to do that are just for you. And 
This is something that when life gets really busy, we automatically let these things go, but then we forget to bring them back in. And this happens in motherhood all the time, because again, you go through these phases and seasons where there's just very legitimately not enough time in the day. So you're like, yeah, you know, there's really not enough time, like very real talk, not enough time. As it turns out, I'm not going to be able to, you know, leave my house to go to my meditation class for an hour, or I'm not going to be able to like sit and read for fun for 30 minutes because like I was up with a sick kid for two extra hours or like all these different things, right? But then as those things pile up, we forget to, as they start to recover, we forget to add in our own things again. And this happens so often where all of a sudden you're like, okay, my kids are pretty grown, pretty independent. And I don't have a single hobby. I don't have a single interest. I don't know what I'm interested in because I haven't given myself any time to do something that's just for me. So I kind of stumbled into this really huge aha when we picked up skiing as a family when Vinny was in kindergarten. And I had been a a very, very less than mediocre snowboarder prior to that. And then I decided to learn how to ski, which was very scary, very intimidating, But the thing that was so great about that, and if you've listened to the show for multiple winters now, you've heard me talk about skiing ad nauseum. Um, But what was so great about that is that because I was so focused on not dying every single time I went skiing for literally like the first three years, so like 10 weeks in a row, every single Saturday for three years in a row in the wintertime, I really spent the entire day just worried I was going to die. Um... I don't like heights. I don't like speed. I don't like momentum. And I found that I was so focused on the mountain. It was the only time or place that I wasn't thinking like 50% about work. It was the only time that my brain would really, really let go. Like when I'm reading to Vinny at bedtime, I'm also writing emails in my head. When I'm having a conversation with my with my husband, I'm also like having this random like, oh, that would be a good podcast episode. Like I'm always thinking about 18 things at once. When I am trying not to fall off of a mountain and die, that's the only thing I'm thinking about. And the gift that came out of that was recognizing, oh my gosh, it feels so good to not think about work or to not think about the things that I always worry about. All I have to think about is not dying right now. And that sounds so ridiculous because, you know, thinking about not dying is kind of stressful, but it was less stressful than all the other things I was always thinking about in daily life. And it was like this relief to be like, you just have to think about this one thing, just stay alive. All you got to do is stay alive. And so picking up that hobby, that pursuit has become a huge part of my life, a huge part of our family's life. As we now ski, you know, we're on our, I think coming into maybe our sixth winter of skiing and having that personal thing that's so disconnected from work. And so like we go to the mountains, we're not even in our house. So even like I can't do anything. I can't be like making a grocery list. I can't be vacuuming. I can't be catching up on bills. Like I'm just in the mountain, on the mountain with my family. And that's been so life-giving. And it's the escape I didn't know that I needed until it was automatically built in. And so now I'm very aware of having that time in other ways when it's not ski season. So like the last two summers training for a triathlon and finding so much peace in that, that like was so different than I did triathlon training in my twenties when that was like, it was so stressful in my twenties. And now when I do it, it's like, Oh, this is my escape. Like all I have to do is swim. This is great. (laughs) So it's interesting bringing that stuff back and letting yourself have a pursue a passion 
whether or not it's achievement oriented or not, like I know my things tend to be a little achievement oriented. It could also be puzzling, which also is a huge favorite pastime of mine, like puzzling and listening to an audiobook or a podcast where it's just me having time again, where I'm focused on one thing. I'm not letting other stresses and worries come in. And oh my goodness, it improves my quality of life so, so much. So how can you release this idea that you don't have any time for you and build in some time, even if it's if infrequent, but still routine. So what I mean is it might not be every day. It might not even be every week, but ideally it would be great if it could be every day or every week, but where is it built in automatically so that you know you're getting it? Maybe it's once a month on a Saturday or half a day off of work on a Friday um, where you're getting in some really predictable time that's just for you. And then number four, the fourth unconventional thing for you to release in 2024 or on whatever day it is for you right now is other people's self-care habits. So I want to invite you to stop doing the self-care that works for other people and figure out what self-care works for you. So I just mentioned three things that work for me, skiing, triathlon training, and puzzling. I know that for most people, that's not the way that they would choose to do self-care. Other people might choose to do self-care by going and getting a manicure. I don't like getting manicures. I'll get a pedicure, but like twice a year. (laughs) So other people's self-care is their self-care. Figure out what works for you because it's only going to benefit you and give you the exhale that you need if it's what you actually want. So I've tried to do other people's meditations and other people's journal prompts and other people's all sorts of different things, other people's breathing exercises. They don't work for me. I've tried to do so many different things that don't work for me because I'm like, oh, but this is the thing that everyone says you should do for self-care. And I've found things that work for me that are a little unconventional and maybe really boring for other people or maybe too painful. Like a lot of people don't want to train for a triathlon. So finding the things that are self-care for you, whether it's going to bed super early or it's reading, like maybe you like reading science books and everyone's like, no, you should read novels. Read the science books if that's self-care to you. Like you really have to figure out what is it for you. I read psychology books. I'm reading a book on trauma right now just for funsies. (laughs) So like no one, I don't think anyone would recommend like you should really read about trauma before you go to bed. It's really good for your self-care. It's not, but it's not for most people. It is for me. Like I love reading about psychology, sociology, trauma. Like This is the stuff that really lights me up. But I know that it's weird. I'm not going to tell you all to go read about that. So go ahead and you know read something that's important to you. So navigating what's self-care for you versus what you see modeled other places, and then having that discernment around well, that might work for them, but that's not what I want. I don't want to get up and meditate for 30 minutes in the morning. Like, hell no. I actually like getting up and working in the morning. So I get up, I have a couple little things that I do, but then like I'm usually on my computer doing like 30 to 45 minutes of work before I do my workout at 7.15 in the morning. And I like doing that. That structure works really well for me. That is actually self-care for me because then I don't feel rushed to get into work the second after I drop Vinny off at school. I actually take my time and I have a little breakfast and I like kind of chill out for a minute. So how can you make your habits routines be integrated in a way that fuel you, that nourish you and that light you up and give you what you need on a daily basis? All right. So those are your four unconventional things to release in 2024 or right now, if it's not the beginning of 2024 for you. I would love to hear what you think about these four things. I know they're unconventional. That is on purpose because I want you to think through different things you can release that are no longer serving you in different ways as you venture into this year. So with all that, I know some of these are a little tricky. I know you can do it. 
because I've been working on them too, because as you know, I'm in this with you always. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're gonna talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.